now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Welcome to the only show that doesn't care about ratings. Our sole purpose is to save souls, on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. Connect with the show on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Periscope, or by calling 513-900-8070. You're listening to Witness Radio. So have you heard that they're building a giant boat down there in Kentucky? That's right. They're rebuilding a replica of Noah's Ark. The people behind the Creation Museum and the Bill Nye Ken Ham debate, Answers in Genesis, my employer, is building this great big boat. And I have with me today Mark Loy from Answers in Genesis. He's the vice president of outreach. He's the CCO of AIG. He co-produces Answers with Ken Ham and is also the science and culture editor for AIG's Answers magazine. And he also writes and edits the monthly newsletter for Answers in Genesis. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show once again. Yeah, Ryan, yeah, thank you for coming back into my offices here, and I'll be glad to give you an update on the Ark Encounter and the other outreaches of Answers in Genesis. Wonderful. So AIG and the Ark Encounter has been in the news quite a bit lately. Um, tell us, what has been going on? We, I know it's been all over the news this big fight between Kentucky and AIG. Why don't you kind of give us a kind of a recap of everything that's been going on? Well, Ryan, just in the past few weeks, two major announcements. We have announced that on July 7, Lord willing, the Ark will open in Williamstown, uh, Kentucky. And then recently we had a victory in a federal court, which doesn't happen too often for, for ministries nowadays when they file lawsuits at a, at, a, at a federal level. What at issue was a religious discrimination lawsuit against the state of Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky had offered us the opportunity to receive rebates on sales tax we would collect at the finished ARC. And then as they got some pressure from secularists and other groups, the uh, state of Kentucky decided to pull our application for this tax uh, rebate. And also they were concerned that the uh, Ark Encounter would be too religious, those words. But, of course, it comes, the, uh, the uh, Ark account comes from, uh, from Scripture, as does the, the flood account. And they, they were also concerned, the state officials were concerned, that we were going to have religious preferences at hiring at the Ark. So... Uh, we qualify for this tax rebate. Um, we filed the application. It was withdrawn, and and uh, we were treated as essentially second-class citizens. So we filed a federal lawsuit over a year ago, and then just a few weeks ago, a federal judge ruled in our favor. So this application for a sales tax rebate, and let me explain that. It's a little complicated, but as a way of uh, rewarding the ARC encounter for building in Kentucky and not in another state, the state to to encourage us to build here said, well, if this is going to be a successful facility, the sales tax that we collect at the completed park, parts of it could be refunded to us as a as, as a rebate. So that's a year, two years, years down the road. So that's one of the reasons we built in Kentucky to take advantage of this of this tax incentive. But the bigger thing is not only does our application now proceed and is not hindered by Governor Bashir. Former Governor Bashir and other officials is that a religious liberty precedent has been sent here because the state was essentially telling us we had to open up our employment at the Ark Encounter to everyone, 
And according to the 1964 Civil Rights Act and Title VII of that act, as a religious organization, we have the right to use religious preferences to hire Christians if we wish. And that's what the judge upheld. The wonderful thing about that is that now if, let's say, a a ministry in, in California is being threatened by some government entity, uh, to the, you've got to hire non-Christians as a part of your ministry. Now that ministry could use this federal court precedent to to defend themselves. So it was a much bigger victory for religious freedom than it was just merely uh, having this application for a tax rebate continue through for a final vote. Oh, that's wonderful. So essentially, what you're saying is an atheist can't go work for a Christian organization that sole focus is to preach the gospel, they're not allowed, is basically what this is saying, correct? Well, put it this way. Let's say Ken Ham, our president, uh, this is purely hypothetical, of course, but, you know, if a CEO position opened up at the American Atheist Groups, do you think Ken Ham's application will be even considered, or my application? Of course not. We want to hire people who have the same worldview, rowing in the same direction, and that makes sense. I mean, why? I don't have a problem with the American atheists hiring only atheists to, to work there. That's their right under the law. Okay, very cool. So this federal rebate program, it's not really taxes that are paying for the ARC. It's taxes that have been paid out by the ARC that we're just getting a small percentage back. Is that that how that's working? Yeah, there's that uh, misperception out there that tax dollars are coming out of the state of Kentucky's coffers to pay for the ARC. That's the myth that's everywhere. Unfortunately, Christians are even believing that lie. So no money is coming out of the state treasury to build the ARC. Here's what's involved. The only taxpayer involved in this ARC rebate is a taxpayer who happens to visit the ARC when it opens. They pay sales tax on tickets, merchandise, concessions. That money is collected and we send it to the state. It's money that was generated at our park. And that money, a portion of that, could be rebated back to us. So in other words, a Kentucky resident living, let's say, in eastern Kentucky never visits the ARC. None of their taxpayer money is going to be used to build the ark. And if anything, their tax burden is going to be eased because the ark is going to bring so many tens of millions of dollars into the state economy each year. And uh, sales taxes collected at, uh, at restaurants and hotels that would be housing our guests, that money goes into the state coffer. So in other words, the bottom line is there's a net gain to the state by having the ark encounter here. Wonderful. And how many jobs would you say the ARC Encounter is going to create? I know we've been hiring like crazy the past year, probably, just in general. I know when I first started, we were over 300 employees, and now we're, I think we're over 500 employees here at Answers in Genesis. Well, if you include seasonal staff, especially during the summer, which is our peak time for the Creation Museum, uh, probably by this summer we'll have at least 500 uh, staff, but that includes part-time seasonal workers. Now, with the ARC itself, the overwhelming majority of the jobs created there in in Grant County and elsewhere will not be at the ARC itself. It will be at the restaurants and the hotels and the service industries that are going to be assisting our visitors coming 
uh, coming to the ark. And so that's where the jobs will be uh, and the tax revenue. But we will be hiring a number of seasonal staff, a few hundred, at the ark when it opens July 7. Okay. And you said July 7th, 2016 is when the ark is open. And you guys are doing something special with the ticketing situation. Tell us a little bit more about your your opening promotion. It appears that the initial interest in coming to the ARC is, is enormous. We did a, a nationwide feasibility study a few years ago uh, indicating that we'd, we'd probably get 1.4 million people a year. Uh, to the ARC. Since then, there's been a lot of publicity uh, related to uh, the the lawsuit. We've done more and more marketing, and we think now we're going to probably get more than 1.4 million a year, perhaps even up to 2 million. And we think the initial interest right now is so hot that for the first 40 days and 40 nights, you hear the allusion to the flood there, 40 days and 40 nights, we're going to have a nighttime session and a daytime session. So a person, let's say, wants to come on July 8th, the day after we open on July 7th, they can choose to come uh, from 9 to 4, or they can come from 5 to midnight, just for the first 40 days to handle what we anticipate will be several thousand people wanting to come the first few weeks that the ark is open. Okay, and is it going to be the same whether you go day or evening, or are you guys going to do something a little different depending on the time of day that someone's there? Well, people are going to be inside the ark most of the time when they come to the ark encounter. And so the day session and the night session will be essentially the same experience, except I would imagine at sunset and twilight it's going to be gorgeous out there at the ark site with the green rolling hills of, uh, of, of northern Kentucky. So there will be different experiences, but essentially people are going to be walking the three decks uh, of the ark and spending perhaps two, two and a half hours inside. We'll have some beautiful gardens open, a petting zoo, 800-seat uh, uh, theater, a large uh, restaurant. So there are things to do outside of the ark in this first phase of the ark encounter, but uh, most of the time people will be inside. Okay. And Real quick, to go back to the money issue that everyone seems to be up in arms about, where are you guys getting the money to build the ark since you're not getting taxpayer money to build it? Well, the first phase, and the ark encounter is not going to be finished on July 7 when we open the doors. That's that's the first phase, and the centerpiece is this life-size 510-foot-long evangelistic ark. And I know, Ryan, you're very excited about uh, the ark and that in that respect, because it's all about sharing the gospel. You know, uh, the uh, ark was a vessel of salvation, if you will. It saved Noah and his family and and the animals from this uh, watery judgment, and that gives us a great springboard to talk about Christ as something of our modern-day ark, ark of salvation. But uh, with the the ark opening uh, phase one, that's $92 million, and I'm pleased to report that we're very close to reaching reaching that goal through bonds. Most of the money raised through bonds, so there's a repayment involved there. About uh, $28 million in in cash donations, and then uh, maybe a couple of million or so in memberships. But no tax money, no taxpayer money is going to build the ark. I just I want to be as clear as possible because there's that myth out there that we are taking money out of the state treasury and away from uh, you know social programs. That's just not true at all. Well, that's good. So when it does open and we start doing the 40 days and 40 nights and 
people can go to the ARC. What are the ticket options going to be? Can they go there that day and buy tickets? And how much are the tickets going to cost? Give us some, some insight into the ticket process. For the first 40 days and 40 nights, we're offering tickets exclusively on the web. That's We have to manage the number of people coming for the first uh, several weeks. We don't want to have a, a problem with traffic backing up on the interstate, very long lines at the, at the ticket booths. So people need to go to arcencounter.com, especially for their first uh, 40 days and, and, and 40 nights to get their, their tickets uh, uh, that way. And is there a cost for parking? Will there be enough parking? I know that's always been an issue during busy times here at the museum is running out of parking spaces. What are we doing to alleviate that situation there? Well, here at the Creation Museum, we are going to be adding some parking. In fact, just over your left shoulder there, Ryan, we're going to be adding a few hundred uh, parking spots because there are some days at the Creation Museum where we could have 3,000 people here on a Saturday. And when the ARC opens, 3,000 could become five to 6,000. So additional parking here at the museum. And then the ARC, which is 40 miles away, we have over 4,000 parking spots for, for vehicles. We will charge for parking. That will also enable people to take a shuttle from the parking lot through a scenic scenic ravine up to the Ark, almost about a mile ride. And we believe the uh, 4,000 spots should be able to handle, you know, well over 12,000 people a day. We think that's adequate. Very neat. So there's been a lot of myths and misconceptions going on regarding the Ark. And after the break, I would love for us to get into those. We already dispelled one myth about using tax dollars, but I'd really like to answer a lot of these other questions as soon as we come back on Witness Radio. Hi, I'm Ken Ham, President and CEO of Ansys Genesis and the Creation Museum. Well, here I am in the Ark exhibit at the Creation Museum. You know, the cross is the greatest reminder to us of the most wonderful message of all, the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. Actually, the Creation Museum was built as a reminder, a reminder for people that God's Word is true, the history is true. That's why the message of the Gospel based in that history is true. And you know, the vision for the Creation Museum goes back over 30 years when I was a high school science teacher in the public schools in Australia. And I took my students to museums and zoos, but my heart ached when I saw that the signs they read, what they heard, was all from an evolutionary millions of years perspective. And the Lord really burdened me. I cried out to the Lord, why can't we build a Creation Museum, a place where they'll be taught the truth about God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, at that time, I and one of our board members of the ministry we had in Australia knelt down on a piece of property and we prayed that the Lord would allow us to build a creation museum. Well, the Lord answered that prayer over 30 years later in America, in the greater Cincinnati area, when the creation museum was opened in 2007. But then I'm burdened again. What about the millions that haven't heard this message and need to hear this message? How do we reach millions more with the truth of God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, you know, other than the cross, I believe the Ark of Noah is one of the greatest reminders we have of the message of salvation. You see, Noah and his family had to go through a doorway to be saved. Well, we need to go through a doorway to be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he'll be saved. Imagine. Imagine if we were to rebuild Noah's ark, the size of the ark, out of wood, to look like a real boat, 
with three floors so people could walk through and see exhibits where questions would be answered, such as how did Noah fit the animals on the ark and how do you feed them and get rid of waste products and so on, answer questions about the flood and fossils, but most of all to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. What a reminder this would be. In fact, we call the project Ark Encounter because we want people to come and have an encounter with Noah's Ark, but at the same time to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a reminder for the world of the truth of God's Word and the truth of the Gospel. Now here's another exciting part of the project. Rebuilding Noah's Ark, that's only phase one. We have other phases planned as well. We've master planned an entire park to go with Noah's Ark. We have, for instance, a petting zoo, a stage for live animal programs, a children's area, a Tower of Babel with a 5D theatre, a ride through the plagues of Egypt, a first century village, drama theatres, a pre-flood village, amphitheatre, all to help people have an encounter with God's Word and so have an encounter with the message of salvation. Well, I do hope the vision of the ark and the opportunity to share the truth of God's Word and the Gospel with millions across this nation and around the world has been an encouragement to you. And if you would like to help us rebuild Noah's Ark, then I urge you to go to arkencounter.com where you can learn more about how you can sponsor a peg or a plank or a beam in the ark and also purchase a charter lifetime boarding pass that will give you and your family a lifetime admission to the ark encounter and also to the creation museum welcome back to witness radio again we're talking with mark loy cco and vp of outreach for answers in genesis we're talking to him about the brand new upcoming ark encounter exhibit here in Kentucky. Mark, thank you again for being on the show. Now, before the break, we said we were going to touch on some major questions and complaints about this upcoming ARC. So one of the big complaints that I've seen and heard about is people are saying you're wasting money, that instead of using all this money to build a big boat in the middle of Kentucky, why don't you just use that money to feed the poor and feed the homeless and do other things like that? Well, our ministry as a 501c3 has been uh, allowed by the government to, to raise funds for a certain purpose. We are a charitable organization, but not a humanitarian one. So when people give their donations to Answers in Genesis, they know that it's going to the purpose of declaring the full authority of the Bible and the gospel message. We're not a hunger relief and development organization. But that's almost assuming that the people who are donating or buying bonds for the Ark Encounter are not helping uh, the poor and needy here in America or, or abroad. It's a, it's, a, it's a false argument. Our ministry is involved in forms of hunger relief. We support something called the Children's Hunger Fund, uh, which has wonderful work in third world uh, nations. And we even do some work here with, with local charities. But the donor dollars need to be designated where the donor uh, uh, wants them. And think about it, Ryan. Uh, what's the most important message anyone could share in a needy world today? And that's that's the gospel. And that's what the ark uh, is all about. It's to proclaim the Bible is true. It's accurate in the book of Genesis, creation, the flood, the Tower of Babel. And if the Bible is accurate there, then maybe we should also listen to what the gospel message is all about in the New Testament. I can't think of a more noble purpose than to proclaim the gospel and seeing people one to the Lord and we'll see them in heaven. How is the Ark Encounter actually going to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
Well, as people walk through the three decks of the ark, they will be exposed not only to the scientific evidence that confirms there was a global flood, that, that the geology we see around us, the world we see around us today was largely uh, created or formed by what happened 4,300 years ago. As we answer the questions like, where did the water come from to cover the entire earth? And where did the water go at the end of the flood? And how did Noah uh, collect all the animals? I mean, there's dozens and dozens of questions that skeptics ask about the account of the, of the flood. If we provide them with solid scientific and logical answers to those kinds of questions, at that point, we think, oh, they, they, they haven't heard those answers before. Maybe they'll be more open to what the rest of the scriptures uh, teach about our salvation in Christ. And as I said uh, before the break, we're going to portray the ark as a vessel of salvation that God preserved Noah, his wife, three sons and, and daughters-in-law, and preserve two of every kind of land animal. Kind is kind of like the family form of classification. You know, we, don't, we didn't need to have dozens of, of, of species of certain animals on, on, on board the ark, but just certain kinds. So there were only a few thousand animals needed on the ark. And so they were saved, they were preserved, and then we can then segue to the New Testament and the message of the gospel that Christ is our ark, of, of salvation today, and that he he can preserve us from uh, from a Christless eternity in torment and hell. And so, even though the cre- you've seen the Creation Museum present the gospel many times here, and and we've seen people gloriously saved, the Ark is even in a better position to be evangelistic because the very nature that it it saved people and, and animals from that watery judgment. Okay, now. Do you think it's going to actually be an effective outreach tool bringing in those who are not saved, or is it just going to be like a Christian Disneyland? The same study that predicted 1.4 million visitors would come uh, to the Ark when it opened, the person who did that survey with America's research group says the overwhelming majority of people coming to the Ark will probably not be truly born-again Christians. It's going to be a combination of for the lack of a better word, nominal Christians. They're cultural Christians, uh, small c. They may go to church at Christmas time, maybe at Easter, but they're not truly born again, as the Bible teaches. False converts. Yeah, or, yeah however, there are many ways you could uh, uh, define them, but we want to reach them because they may think they're Christians because they go to church uh, maybe once a year and have a belief in some vague existence of God, but we want to present them with the gospel. And a lot of non-Christians um, are going to come, a lot of it out of curiosity. They wouldn't necessarily come to the Creation Museum, but this huge attraction, this theme park, the Ark, I mean, it's jaw-droppingly big. I've had many non-Christian friends of mine come out to the Ark when we used to do Ark construction tours, one of them in particular, uh, very secular, uh, grew up in, in France and a product of that uh, secular humanist uh, education system. Still someone I, 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 I uh, share my faith with. He believes, and he's in the entertainment industry, he believes we'll get two million people coming to the Ark. And he's someone who's completely secular, and his mindset is, you know, getting people into, into attractions and marketing them. So I think, of the, let's say if we had 1.5 million at the Ark uh, the first year, I would say more than half of them easily are going to be uh, not born-again Christians. Okay, that's wonderful. So with this ark, this giant boat in the middle of Kentucky, you guys have been using 
modern tools and cranes and other stuff to to build the boat but Noah didn't have any of that stuff and that's one of the big contentions that people have well first when you say in the middle of Kentucky it really is right off of interstate 75 I wouldn't want to have your listeners have the appearance that we're building the ship you know somewhere in the remote part of the Kentucky it's halfway between Cincinnati Ohio and Lexington, Kentucky, at exit 154, right off of Interstate 75, one of the busiest North State interstates in the whole, in the whole country. But we have to build the ship according to local building codes. For example, there has to be concrete in certain parts of the ship. There needs to be exit doors, emergency exits. We have to build that ship according to what the government authorities are telling us how to, how to build it. So our, our hands are tied uh, in that regard. And um, also, uh, who's to say that Noah was, a, was very primitive? Now think about the Egyptian pyramids that were built over 4,000 years ago, the technology to build those and how those massive stones fit perfectly. You could hardly get even a piece of paper between them. I think the ancients had far greater ability to create impressive structures like the Egyptian pyramids and huge wooden ships. I, I don't think we should discount them. I, I think people who say they were more primitive 4,000 years ago, I think many of them have been evolutionized. That is, they've, they think that we're so much more advanced uh, today. But here's another way to look at it, Ryan. We think that Adam had a virtually a perfect brain. He was a genius because he was created perfect, he and, he and Adam, he and, he and Eve, I should say. And over the years with uh, you know, genetic mutations and such, I think we're less intelligent than those people who uh, first walked on the face of the earth and made these incredible structures that we have great difficulty even duplicating today, like those pyramids. So you guys are actually using wood to build the ark, you know, aside from the concrete areas where it's required by code to use concrete. For the most part, this is a big wood structure. Where are you getting all these trees, and isn't that hurting the environment? And inside the ark, there's rebar, too, and, and, and so it's not a totally wooden structure. We wished it could be, but the reality is working with the government entities that you can't uh, can't do that. The wood is coming from many, many sources. Uh, some of the larger pieces that have just been put in came from a beetle-infested forest. These, these trees were still standing, but they were essentially dead. And so we were able to cut those down and bring those to the uh, to the ark. And uh, some of the other uh, places where the wood is coming from is going to be reforested. And so you know, the the, uh, the story out there that we're cutting down, whacking down trees and hurting the environment is absolutely uh, not true. One of the most interesting uh, uh, anecdotes about the construction of this of this wooden ship is that the, uh, the shell of the ark, the exterior, is being finished right now. And the wood actually was cut down in New Zealand. It was then transported to the Netherlands where it was treated because that... that that part of the ark is going to be exposed to the elements. We want, it's like a 50-year wood that we're putting on the exterior of the ark. And then it went to North Carolina for cutting, and now that wood has been arriving in northern Kentucky here for the past few months, and that's being applied to the exterior. So imagine that from New Zealand, wood comes halfway around the world from New Zealand, goes to Netherlands, and then to North Carolina, and then to the ark. That gives you an idea of the complicated process of building this structure today. 
Wow, that's amazing. Well, Mark, I don't want to take up all your time today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show again and, and sharing with us just a little bit of information about the ARC and all that's going on with that. Where can people go? I know we didn't answer all the questions. Where can they go for more information to get all their questions answered and to buy tickets? It is simply to the arcencounter.com website. And one thing I really stress as much as possible as people go to arcencounter.com is look for the drone footage, the video footage we've taken of this ship that will eventually be 510 feet long. That drone footage has already been appearing all over the media. It was on uh, Bill O'Reilly's uh, uh, Factor, uh, the O'Reilly Factor, a few weeks ago. So look for the video as you go to arcencounter.com of how this arc is being constructed. Also videos on how the incredible displays are being built. And we have 132 bays inside the arc, and we're building those exhibits uh, right now, and you can watch some video of that. And as well, you can buy the tickets, find out more about the arc at arcencounter.com. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. You're listening to Witness Radio. If you enjoyed this episode of Witness Radio, please rate it and share the show with others. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.